Well, now we're going to turn to this morning's scripture reading. Today we have another special guest scripture reader as we continue our celebration of the 25th anniversary of the creation of the Order of Deacons, we welcome another deacon who is serving in the Michigan area. This week, we invite the Reverend Kathy Pittenger to tell us a little bit about her ministry and also to share with us a scripture reading from the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. Greetings. My name is Reverend Kathy Pittenger, and I'm the Children's Initiatives Coordinator for the Michigan Conference. I'm also a United Methodist Deacon in Full Connection. My ministry involves equipping, empowering, encouraging, supporting, and resourcing leaders and churches in the areas of children's ministry and faith formation. I find my bridge between the church and the world through advocating for children's literacy and child hunger relief. Our reading for today is 1 Kings 17, 1 through 6. Hear these words. Elijah from Tishbe, who was one of the settlers in Gilead, said to Ahab, As surely as the Lord lives, Israel's God, the one I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain these years unless I say so. Then the Lord's word came to Elijah, Go from here and turn east, hide by the Cherith brook that faces the Jordan River. You can drink from the brook. I have also ordered the ravens to provide for you there. Elijah went and did just what the Lord said. He stayed by the Cherith brook that faced the Jordan River. The ravens brought bread and meat in the mornings and evenings. He drank from the Cherith brook. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So a few years back, I heard this story about a little girl named Gabby. Now, the story begins when Gabby was just four years old. When she was only four years old, Gabby was famous in her family for being a messy eater. Everywhere she went, Gabby would leave behind a trail of chicken nuggets and potato chips and carrot sticks. It drove her parents up a wall the way that Gabby was always scattering and dropping food everywhere. But not everybody thought this was a bad thing. In Gabby's neighborhood, there was a flock of crows. And Gabby's habit of dropping food everywhere she went very quickly made her the crow's favorite person in the whole wide world. The crows very quickly realized that wherever Gabby went, there was a chance that they were going to find treats. And so the crows took to following Gabby around as she played in the neighborhood. And they would meet her when she came out the door in the morning. They would greet her when she got out of the car. They were always watching to see what wonderful and delicious thing Gabby was going to drop on the ground. Now, when Gabby got old enough to go to school, she walked every morning a few blocks to the school bus. And as she walked to the school bus, these crows would hop along beside her. And so Gabby started feeding them bits and pieces of her lunch on her way to the bus every morning. Gabby got to the point where she could recognize the crows on sight. She gave them nicknames. She felt connected to these crows. And eventually Gabby decided that there must be a better way to care for her friends, the crows, than by giving them her lunch every day on her way to the bus stop. And so Gabby started a sort of ritual. Every morning, Gabby would go out into her backyard and all of the crows would be waiting for her. They would be sitting on the top of the fence and along the telephone lines. And they would watch and they would talk to Gabby as she filled a bird bath with fresh water. 
And they would watch as she filled a bird feeder with peanuts and as she scattered dog food all around the yard. And then when she was finished, they would descend in a great squawking horde. They would have a crow party there in the backyard every morning. It was not long after Gabby started this morning ritual of feeding the crows when this remarkable thing started to happen. One day, Gabby went out into her backyard to care for her friends, the crows, and she noticed something shiny in the bird feeder. Well, she looked a little closer and she discovered that it was an earring. And the next day when she went out to feed the crows, she found a shiny pebble in the bird feeder. Gabby realized that the crows were giving her gifts. And the presents kept showing up morning after morning, week after week. The crows brought Gabby all sorts of things. They brought her bits and pieces of hardware. They brought her pieces of beach glass. They brought her Legos and other shiny little things that they found around town. They left them there in the bird feeder for Gabby. Well, Gabby kept every gift that the crows gave her. She put them in bags and she sorted them and ranked them according to which was her most favorite gift. The most amazing gift, the most remarkable moment happened a few months after the crows started leaving gifts for Gabby. Now Gabby's mother is a photographer. One day Gabby's mother was out around town with her camera. She was taking pictures of this and that. And it was only when she got home that she realized that she had lost the lens cap from her camera. She dropped it somewhere along the way. Well, she wrote it off as a loss. Gabby's mom figured that she was probably never going to see that lens cap again. But sure enough, the next morning when Gabby went out into the backyard, what should she find in the bird feeder but the very lens cap that her mom had lost the day before? Well, that was when Gabby realized that the crows were watching over her family. That was when Gabby realized that the crows had adopted her family and they were caring for her family, looking after her family. The relationship between Gabby's family and the crows continues to this day. That relationship between Gabby's family and these wild creatures is now more than a decade old. I love this story. I love this story of a little girl and her connection to these wild creatures. I was thinking of Gabby and I was thinking of her, fr her friends, the crows, this week as I was reading our scripture reading. Something similar to Gabby's story happens in this week's scripture reading. In today's scripture reading, we pick up the story of the Israelites at one of the worst and most desperate moments in all of the Old Testament. Now, the Israelites now have settled in the promised land. 500 years have passed since last week's scripture reading. 500 years have passed since the death of Moses. 500 years have passed since the Israelites crossed over into the promised land. And in those 500 years, the Israelites have become a nation. They've well and truly settled in this place that God promised and that God provided for them. And in all of those 500 years, many kings have come and many kings have gone. Some of those kings were good. Some of those kings were bad. But now as we pick up the story today, a new king has come to rule over the Israelites. This king's name is Ahab. And the Bible tells us that Ahab was the worst king the Israelites ever had. The Bible tells us that Ahab did more to provoke God's anger than all of the kings who came before him. Ahab was wicked and he was cruel and he was corrupt. He stole from his people. He even sometimes murdered his own people in order to enrich himself 
Ahab was also unfaithful to God. He married a foreign princess. He started worshiping her foreign gods. He turned away from the God who had set the people free from slavery in the land of Egypt, the God who said, you shall have no other gods before me. And as the king turned away from God, the entire nation began to follow and do likewise. The entire nation in this moment started turning away from the God who had loved them so well. And in this moment of unfaithfulness, in this moment of cruelty and wickedness, violence and fear, God found one man, God found one Israelite who was willing to stand as a prophet against King Ahab. God called forth a man named Elijah to speak for God in that moment. Elijah is going to go on to become one of the great prophets in all of the Bible. But in this morning's scripture reading, we see Elijah at the very beginning of his ministry, at the very beginning of his career. The very first thing Elijah does in all of scripture, when we first meet him, we meet him for the very first time. The first thing Elijah does is he marches right up to King Ahab and he gives King Ahab a warning. He warns King Ahab that because of his wickedness, because of his corruption, a great drought is about to come upon all the land. Well, Elijah's going to be famous, but he's not famous yet. King Ahab doesn't know who this man is. He doesn't recognize this prophet. This prophet doesn't have any kind of a reputation. And so Ahab laughs him off. Ahab dismisses Elijah. And then the story takes a strange turn. After Elijah has his very first confrontation with King Ahab, God speaks to him again. God says, Elijah, now I want you to go out and camp in the wilderness. God leads Elijah to a place where there's a stream running through the wilderness. And God says, Elijah, I want you to settle here for a while by the stream. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. I'm going to send the ravens to take care of you. And that's exactly what happens. Elijah camps out there next to the stream. He drinks water from the stream and day after day, the ravens bring him bits of bread and they bring him scraps of meat. The ravens adopt him. They look after him as if he's one of their own flock. It's a strange moment in the story of one of the great prophets of all the Old Testament. Why do you think God sends Elijah out into the wilderness at the very start of his ministry? Why do you think it's important to God that Elijah spend this time with the ravens next to the stream? Now, one of the obvious answers is that Elijah is going to be safe and protected there in the wilderness. Now, King Ahab might not know who Elijah is at this point, but as the days go by and as the weeks and the months go by without a cloud, without a drop of rain, as the crops begin to wither in the fields, King Ahab is going to remember this strange prophet who confronted him, who warned him that a drought was coming. King Ahab is going to realize that Elijah is his enemy. King Ahab is going to send his soldiers in search of this prophet so he can be hunted down and dealt with. God knows that Elijah is going to be safe and protected out in the wilderness. That's one reason God sends Elijah out to the stream and the ravens. But I've always believed that there's another reason God wants Elijah to go to this place in the wilderness as he starts, as he's at the very beginning of his ministry. God knows that Elijah is about to begin a marathon of ministry. God knows that Elijah is about to begin a back-breaking, exhausting sort of work. 
Now, the conflict between King Ahab and Elijah is going to be one of the great battles in all of the Bible. And it's going to go on for years and years. And by the time it's finished, Elijah is going to be worn out, burned out, stressed out, and exhausted. Before this conflict is over, Elijah will have healed the sick. He will have raised the dead. He will have called down fire from heaven. And by the time this conflict is finished, Elijah is going to feel lonely and isolated and depressed. Elijah is going to be so burned out by this work that God has called him to do that at a certain point in his ministry, he's going to raise his fist to heaven and call out to God, God, why don't you just let me die already? God knows the toll that this work is going to take on Elijah. And before Elijah begins, before he dives into this ministry, before he jumps in with both feet, God wants Elijah to spend some time in the wilderness. So Elijah will learn what many of us already know. That when life is overwhelming, when work is bearing down on us, when we're feeling stressed out and anxious, depressed and exhausted, if we go to the wilderness, we will be able to find God's peace again. If we go to the wilderness, we will be able to hear God's voice in a way that we can't when we are surrounded by concrete and asphalt. If we go to the wilderness, in that place, we will be able to charge our batteries and rest and prepare to do once more the work that God has called us to. That's why God sends Elijah out into the wilderness, so that Elijah in the wilderness can connect to God at a level that will prepare him for the work that he's about to begin. I believe that one of the reasons that we so often feel burned out, exhausted, one of the reasons why we so often have a hard time experiencing God's presence and hearing God's voice is that we are so disconnected from the wilderness. We have so little wilderness in our lives. And that's especially true right now. We have spent so much of the last year staring at screens. A few months ago, somebody summed up pandemic life in a brilliant tweet. She said, well, I just spent another day staring at a big screen while I was scrolling on a small screen in order to reward myself for staring at the medium screen all week long. In many ways, these screens in our lives have been a godsend in the last year. Now, these screens have kept us connected to the people we love. These screens have kept us connected to our church family. These screens have given us something to do when it wasn't safe to go outdoors, when we couldn't do the things that usually feed our souls and make us feel alive. But scientists now are telling us that all of this screen time is beginning to take a toll. A group of researchers wanted to find out what all of this screen time is doing to us, what it's doing to our souls, what it's doing to our brains. And so they scanned the brains of a bunch of people who were taking part in an online meeting, one of these Zoom-style meetings. As they were looking at the brains of the people who were in this meeting, what they were looking at was how often people's brains were producing what are called alpha waves. Alpha waves are what we see in people's brains when people are feeling relaxed, at peace, at rest, at ease. And they also measured how often people's brains were producing beta waves. Beta waves are what we see in people's brains when our, our brains are excited, when our brains are working hard, when we're processing a lot of information. And when these scientists, when these researchers looked at the brain scans of the people who had been taking part in this online meeting, what they discovered 
was that when people are in one of these online meetings, when we're on Zoom, when we're talking to all of those faces and all of those boxes on a screen, our brains have hardly any alpha waves at all. The brain scans of the people in these meetings were just one long string of beta waves. It turns out that when we're in one of these online meetings, when we're staring at the screen, our brains are working overtime. Our brains are working hard to keep track of all of those little faces and all of those little boxes. Our brains are working hard to remember, are we muted or are we unmuted? Our brains are working hard to keep us from picking our noses while the camera's pointed at us. And after a long day of staring at screens, after a long day of online connections and online meetings, our brains are worn out. Our brains are burned out. We begin to feel anxious and stressed out and depressed. The time that we've been spending on our screens in the last year, even though it has so many upsides, the time we've been standing looking at screens, scientists are telling us, is beginning to take a toll. But it doesn't have to be that way. Scientists tell us that there is an easy way to combat, to push back those feelings of anxiety and depression. There is something that we can do in order to give our brains a chance to get back into alpha wave mode. All that we have to do, they tell us, is just give our brains a break. Even as much as a 10-minute break every once in a while is enough to give our brain a chance to rest, to give our souls a chance to experience a little bit of peace. There are lots of ways that we can spend that break. There are lots of things we can do during our breaks that will give our brains a chance to boost their alpha waves. One of the things that you can do is to meditate for a few minutes. If you feel like meditation is sort of an intimidating activity, then it even helps just to close your eyes for a few minutes, to give your eyes a rest. Another thing that you can do to boost your brain's alpha wave activity is to take a deep breath, something that court streeters know how to do so very well. Take a good deep breath and then take another one and keep on taking deep breaths until you feel less anxious until you begin to feel less depressed. There are many things that we can do in order to boost our alpha waves. But of course, one of the most powerful and effective things that we can do to give our brains a break, to give our souls the peace and the rest that they need, one of the most powerful and effective things that we can do is to follow in Elijah's footsteps and go into the wilderness. Take a walk outside. Settle by a stream for a while. Get to know a tree. Even just looking out a window at something green is enough to lower the beta wave activity in our brains and raise the alpha wave activity to combat, to push back those feelings of stress and anxiety and depression. Why does God send Elijah into the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry? God wants Elijah to know that on those days when we're feeling stressed out, burned out, and overwhelmed, there's a place where we can go, a place where we can hear God's voice, a place where we can experience God's rest, a place where we can receive God's peace. God wants Elijah to know and God wants us to know that the wilderness will take care of us. The ravens and the crows will take care of us if only we take the time to notice them. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for the green places in our lives. 
We pray that you would give us the wisdom to make friends with birds, to get to know the trees, to listen to the stream, to breathe the fresh air. We pray that you would give us the wisdom to recognize when we're feeling burned out, stressed out, anxious, depressed, exhausted. That you would give us the wisdom in that moment to give our brains, to give our souls a break, to step away from the screen and discover you in creation. All these things we pray in Jesus. Amen.